Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Bottled Up Podcast. We are here on May 31st, the final day of May, after what's been a pretty incredible month for motorsports. This episode will be going up on the first day of June, so we're going to recap the month of May today. That's the plan. First off, if you didn't watch the Indy 500, you missed a lot. I would know, because I didn't get to watch the Indy 500. For reference, personal reasons, I was out in Indiana, and... The day we were going to fly home was Sunday, same day as the Indy 500. So we get to the airport, it was blacked out on television. No television channel had the race. It's like, okay, great, don't get to watch the Indy 500, that stinks. I got to watch part of the Monaco Grand Prix, but it was just a busy morning on Sunday, so we didn't really get to sit down and watch too much of it, besides for the final 20 laps or so. But we got to watch at least part of that. Indy 500, same deal, got to watch bits and pieces of it, found out the result after we landed... And we landed in Charlotte, and that was at about, oh, I don't know, 2 o'clock, maybe 4 o'clock or so. But our flight didn't take off until 8.30, so I'm like, oh, great, we're going to be able to watch part of the race, probably about two hours or so of the race before we have to board, and then there's another half hour there, we, I can watch it on my phone, you know, I'll get to watch most of the Coke 600. I didn't realize I was in Charlotte. Well, I realized I was in Charlotte, but it didn't click in my head that the race would be blacked out. So, I didn't get to watch the first, I think it was just the first uh, stage that I ended up missing, maybe the first two. But then, once we got on the plane and got in the air, there was free TV, so I got to watch most of the race, the middle section of the race. But I could not catch a break in watching motorsports on Sunday, so I hope you all got to enjoy what I really did However, it was a really good Coke 600 when I did get to watch it on the plane. I listened to the end of it on the radio where I love the radio broadcasters. Everything is, they're yelling, they're excited because they're yelling over the car noise. But it's just so great and I absolutely love listening to them. So, shout out to the radio guys that bring it to your living room every week if you don't have a television. Some other things I do want to cover. Obviously, Martin Truex Jr. won the Coke 600 in a very controversial late restart a decision by the 38 team to stay out they didn't apparently they did it because they didn't have any tires i didn't realize that i thought it was just a really bold strategy move they were out of tires so they stayed out newman had a gutsy tire strategy as well took two and then from there on back it was four tires but it was a really really good finish four wide at the end and to nascar's credit that's what they wanted with this aero package. The late restarts are the best you're ever going to see. With this new aero package, everyone starts out, they go three, four wide regularly. And it's really, really good racing for about ten laps. And then it sort of falls off and nobody can really pass. Passing is the biggest struggle. And people say, people might be saying... Well, if they can't pass, that means all the cars are pretty close to each other, which is good. You want the cars close to each other, it's the best driver that wins. In theory, yes, but in practice, it hasn't really worked out that way. It's more turned into, it doesn't matter what the best car is. It All that matters is if you get the chance to pass and have someone pushing you. I don't really think there should be bump drafting at a one-and-a-half-mile track. They shouldn't be bump drafting at Charlotte. There was bump drafting at Bristol, even, at times, like... It's kind of crazy to me, but at the same time, I do have to give credit where credit is due. I was pretty against the new aero package. I didn't like the mentality 
of the NASCAR officials where it was, we're doing this to bring in more fans, we have to put on a show, this, that, and the other. I think the best way, and I've said this before, the best way to put on a show for the fans is to let the drivers drive. Let them race. You know, you'll have passing all throughout the field. Guys will be passing for, maybe not first place, because maybe one guy will just have a really good car. And in which case, on the restarts and everything else, he's brought back in and he still has to defend that spot. On pit stops and everything else, he has to be just as perfect as everybody else to take advantage of that better car and hope that nobody else is better than him, racing better than he is. He has to hit his apexes, has to hit his box perfectly when he fits. He has to bank on his pit crew to not mess up during a pit stop. He has to hope his spotter is good. Everything has to work out right for him in order for him to win. And it's not easy to go and win one of those races, regardless of how good your car is. Kyle Busch will never get out of a car and say, oh, that was an easy win, I didn't have to work for it. Martin Truex Jr., and if you go back in history, Jeff Gordon, you know, Daryl Waltrip, all those guys that have won so many races, they're not going to say, oh, it was so easy because I had a much better car. It was easier for them, absolutely. But that doesn't mean it was easy. They're still working just as hard. So when you sort of even everything out here and you give an advantage to the lead guy by putting him when these cars need clean air in order to be successful, when you give him the advantage of being in clean air and that makes him faster than everybody else, that's making it easier for him to go out and win it. Because once you're in first, it's hard to get past. When you're in second place, it's hard to pass the leader. And it's hard to not run away because you're in clean air and the guy behind you is in dirty air. And it makes the car much handle completely differently. It's like two different race cars when you're in clean air versus dirty air is what it feels like. Is it good for that? Maybe. That's, you know, sort of something to each their own. But it almost feels similar to wrestling where it's an artificial show being put on. And I'm not saying that NASCAR is staged, no pun intended, with the stages and everything else and stage wins and all that. But it almost feels like it's it's being set up as entertainment rather than a sport. And that's something that Matt Weaver has talked about extensively. That's something I've talked with Matt Weaver about personally extensively. Is that we don't want to create entertainment. NASCAR is an entertainment. It's a sport. It's an entertaining sport. But that entertainment comes from guys driving at 200 miles an hour. Right? It doesn't come from saying, this guy's going to win stage one, this guy's going to win stage two, this guy's going to win the race. No, that never happens. These races aren't rigged. And anytime, even a teammate does something to try and rig a race in someone else's favor, and I'm throwing back to Darlington a couple years, or maybe it was Richmond. I think it was Richmond, actually, where Jeff Gordon got put into the chase because Paul Menard, I believe Paul Menard spun himself out or something like that. It involved Paul Menard. Somebody spun themselves out intentionally when a code word came over the radio. Brought out a caution at a perfect time. I don't know what it was. Jeff Gordon was leading the race. Kevin Harvick was running second. And I believe it was Paul Menard running at RCR. Spun himself intentionally and because somebody said a code word on the radio to him that they had planned. That caution allowed Harvick to win the race and knocked Gordon out of the playoffs. So Gordon got obviously put in. I think it was that year there was an extra driver in the chase. They face a penalty and all that, RCR and everything else. But even doing something for your teammate, like spinning out at a time that was good for him, that is, you know, penalized. And rightly so. Absolutely rightly so. He should not have 
done that. You shouldn't be able to skew the results of a race for your teammate by causing a caution intentionally. That's just not right. It's not racing. So, it's strategy. It's an interesting strategy. And one could sit here and argue, oh, well, you know, they're teammates for a reason, this, that, and the other. Maybe, and maybe that's an episode, you know, a topic for another episode. But racing, what I'm trying to get to is that racing is not entertainment. It's a sport. We have to treat it as such. If we're trying to artificially create entertainment and sacrificing drivers for it, you know, sort of throwing them under the bus, because like I've said before, these guys have been racing their entire lives. They, they are at the peak of their career. They are racing in the NASCAR Monster Energy, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. They're racing in the highest level of NASCAR, which is the highest level of stock car racing. These guys are good. Regardless of what you believe, I know some of them are in there because of money. I know some of them are staying there because of money. But you got to admit, in order to go out and compete at that level in those cars, they're not easy to drive. And to be competitive, you have to be a half-decent driver. And I will give anyone that straps into one of those cars and quite a bit of respect for it. Anywhere, Anybody from Cody Ware running in some of the worst equipment out there through no fault of his own. It's just that team is pretty new. Rick Ware racing, and it's not very good. They're sort of running races to get in more money, etc., etc. Those drivers are paying to be in those seats, and that's not a conspiracy. That's the way the sport works. So those guys pay to be in the races, but he's still going out there to only be a couple laps down when you're running an equipment that wouldn't be fit for the 2004 Coke 600, let alone the 2019. That's a bit impressive. And they understand that. They understand that they're pay drivers and everything else, but they're still good people, and you still have a lot of respect for them. All the way up to guys racing in top-level equipment, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., those guys, they're still really good drivers, and you can't take that away from them. And to hurt the drivers by making the cars easier to drive, trying to create artificial entertainment like we are, in a sense, it's just not good for the sport. Does it build excitement at certain points? Absolutely. Absolutely. That last restart in the Coke 600 was awesome. They were four wide for the lead. You had guys on a guy on no tires, two tires, and two guys on four tires who had been fighting all day to win that race. And you shouldn't take that away from them. And I'm not going to take that away from this new aero package. It's definitely got its good points. But it ultimately, with its goal of bringing the field closer together, not letting people run away, bringing the lower teams up so that they can compete with some of the higher level teams, which has happened a bit, I think ultimately it's failed. It is shocking that Corey LaJoy had a 12th place finish, which is actually really awesome. I'm really happy to see that. You guys know Corey is almost a personal friend of mine, really. And I love having him on the show. He's been on a couple times. He's a really, really great guy. And for him... After the season he had last year where he was running like half the races, not even, to come out and finish 12th in a full-time ride, that's pretty good. That's really awesome, and I'm really happy to see that. And I love seeing that for these smaller teams. You know, take a look at Parker Kligerman. That guy runs a part-time schedule. When he goes out in this subpar equipment, he's actually pretty good, and he's competitive. And you can't take that away from the guy. And speaking of, Parker Kligerman is probably going to be on the show at some point. I've gotten in touch with his media people in the past. I wanted to do an interview with him last year. They actually one of the few teams that have turned me down. Most 
for anyone that wants an inside look at the life of a NASCAR journalist, as if I'm, you know, have any sort of credibility whatsoever and not just running this, literally sitting in the basement of my home and posting these once a week and researching for them a couple hours a week. But most teams, when you put out for a media request, you either get ignored or they say yes. It's very rare that they actually come back and say, no, we're not interested. And that actually happened with Parker Kligerman last year with uh, the truck team he was with. Food Country USA was his, was his sponsor. I don't remember the name of the team off the top of my head. But they actually came back to me. They said, no, thanks. We're not interested. I'm going to get back in touch and, and figure something out. Real, actually, to be fair, what they said was, we're not interested right now. Contact us later. And then I contacted them again later and nothing came of it. But, oh well. Anyways, changing gears. No pun intended because this is a NASCAR podcast. <laughs> Pocono this weekend. It's going to be a great race, and I'm really excited for it because this is going to be make or break it for, well, I guess I say this every week, but it's going to be big for this aero package. Pocono is a weird track. It's three turns, and they're three wildly different turns. You go, you drive at over 200 miles an hour into turn one. You're hard on the brakes. You get you get those brake rotors heated up pretty quickly, dive into turn one, ride the bottom, come flying out. Turn two, you're not really on the brakes. And this is in last year's package. You're not really on the brakes. You might tap them to get the car sort of to come around a bit, but then you're just letting off the throttle, letting the engine pull the car back by slowing it down. You're going so fast that even in fourth gear, you let off the throttle. The car's pulling itself back. You drive hard through turn two once you're back on the throttle. You're flying down the back stretch. I guess the I guess the backstretchers really too. And then you dive it into turn three, and it's almost flat there. You know, you get into it, and there's almost no banking. And you sort of ride the inside. Maybe you shift, you downshift to third. Maybe you don't, depending on it. Let's say you downshift to third. You're getting in. You're a little bit on the brakes. You downshift. You really get pulled back by that engine brake. It's essentially an engine brake when you're downshifting there. Then you're back on the throttle. You top it out. Pull it back down into fourth gear. If you're Dale Jr., unfortunately, you shift it uh, from third to second. You blow your engine twice in one weekend. I still can't figure that one out. But no, you pull it down into fourth gear, coming off the turn, and you fly down the front stretch, and you do it all again. If you don't downshift, you're pretty hard on the brakes going into three. You let it coast around, and then about halfway through the turn, you're back full throttle, take it off, get right to the wall, and that's how you get around Pocono Raceway. It's a great track. With this new aero package with so much downforce, those cars are going to want to turn. I think turn one is going to be pretty tough, and the cars might snap around there almost. But turn two and turn three, those cars are going to be faster than they ever have. I would not be surprised if we break a track record. And here's why. With so much downforce, those cars are glued to the track. Glued to it. So when you get turns like turn two and turn three where you're sort of right on the edge there and the car wanted to snap around, you've got a lot more downforce holding you to the track. And while it may still want to snap around with a couple setup adjustments, you might be able to take turn two with just brake, you know. You go in, full throttle, you let off, you hit the brakes a bit, and then you're right back on the throttle. You don't have to coast it at all. And I know coasting doesn't sound like much, but it makes a big difference in those cars. That's when you're entering a turn, you, you hear the engine... If you're sitting in the sands, that's them coasting. And I'm looking at my <laughs> audio feed and how that probably sounded in there. But 
that's that's what that is. It's the engine pulling the car back almost. It's like a giant brake when you're just letting off the gas and sealing gear, and you don't have the clutch in. So without that, it's going to be very, very different for those guys. I would expect a first-time winner here this weekend. And I know people say that every weekend. But with Pocono, with this new aero package, it's going to be a free-for-all. I think Alex Bowman, who ran really well there last year, could take it today, or tomorrow, this weekend. <laughs> I My prediction is Alex Bowman will win this race at Pocono, the first Pocono race of 2019. That's my prediction. I think other guys, some of the smaller teams, if they play some pit strategy, which I hope they will, I think they're going to finish well too. I would expect Ryan Priest to have a good finish, probably David Reagan as well. Guys like that that don't usually run too well are going to have a good weekend, I'm thinking, because it's a free-for-all. So it's down to the crew chiefs to make some good choices for these smaller teams to try and get their guys a good finish. Maybe teams like Starcom, which are like... So there's well-funded teams, there's average, then there's underfunded, and then there's like really underfunded. And that's where you have Starcom. And those guys work so hard to overcome it, but they the issues they have, it's just un real the luck that they have they have to get these you know lower end parts so fuel pump fails i've seen their five hundred thousand dollar race car taken out of a race by a three cent part you know that's just the way it is but these parts that go bad there's just really nothing you can do and it's a three cent part wrapped around a 10 cent part wrapped you know wrapped inside of an 80 cent part wrapped inside a ten thousand dollar part that's sort of the way it is you know they've got a they've got a big hill to overcome before they're going to be really as competitive as they should be. If races were won based on hard work alone, they would be sweeping the season. I can promise you that, and I have a lot of respect for those guys down at Starcom. And keep an eye on that double zero of Landon Castle. I'm biased. I really like Landon, but even before he was signed as a driver, I just had so much respect for the team. That was actually the first team to ever be on the show. Um, Derek Cope was on here. He's the manager of that team. Former Daytona 5... Well, I guess not former Daytona 500 champion. You're always a Daytona 500 champion. Won it in 1990. <laughs> He'd never won a race before. And he got lost looking for victory lane. That's just a great story. And he won Dover later that year. And almost won a couple other races. Regardless, though, it's a really good weekend for racing. I have a lot of high hopes for it. I have... I guess this is our mid... I guess our quarter season, we're a quarter of the way through the season roughly. It's our quarter season critique of the new aero package. Overall, to wrap things up here, overall the new aero package, 6.5 out of 10. It's got some really good racing on the restarts, but it feels a bit artificial. And once 10 laps have passed, the field is so spread out nobody can pass. It's very, very difficult to pass. And if you look, if you're a nerd like me and you sit and look at the statistics, passing is down about 30% on the year from the last I saw. And maybe that number's changed in the past couple weeks. But overall, passing is down. You know, there's less passes being made, and it's less quality passes, passes for position. So that's not including lapping a car. That's not considered a pass. But it's passes for position. Those are down about 30%, for, if I recall the number correctly. That's just where we are in the sport, where there's ups and downs. There's so much going on. Honda might be coming into the sport. That's one rumor that's been flying around. There were NASCAR officials at the IndyCar race, the Indy 500, meeting with Honda officials in one of their trailers. There's talk of hybrid engines for 2021. 
And in which case you get like a Formula E scenario. I'm going to make my final bold prediction of the year. By the way, before I forget, I think that by 2025, write this down in your calendars, May 31st, 2019, 10.22 a.m., Jeff McConey makes a bold prediction on the Bottled Up Podcast. By 2025, there will be a NASCAR electric race series sanctioned and everything that races the same weekends and everything probably like after the Xfinity Series race but before the cup race or the morning of the cup race. It's going to be called, I'm betting, it's going to be called NASCAR, NASCAR Electric, NASCAR E, NASCAR. By 2025, it'll start, and it will be dead by 2030. I do not think this sport will ever go fully electric, but they're going to try. That's my bold prediction of the week. Write it down. Take a little note. (laughs) God, I hate that pun. Wow, I'm ashamed of that one. But write it down. That's my bold prediction. I still think Ryan Priest is going to win a race this year, and I think Alex Bowman is going to win Pocono this weekend. Guys, thank you so much for listening in to another episode of the Bottled Up Podcast here. Follow me on Twitter at Bottled Up Radio. We do stuff there all the time. We're interacting with people. It's a great time over on Twitter. Join like 80 other people in following me. It's a great time. It's well worth it. Trust me. Thank you guys so much for listening in. If you've got any feedback, any critique, let me know. I'm a big guy. I can I can take a bit of feedback and insight. I appreciate it. We're on World Racing Media now. We're on YouTube. So look on Twitter to find links to that now because that just blows my mind that now I'm part of a YouTube channel on YouTube and everything else. Things are going really well for this podcast. Should it rain, I won't go down to Pocono because that's a long drive and I've got work early Monday morning. So I, I cannot justify, you know, going with my family down to the track just for both races to be rained out. Maybe I'll go down one day or the other. I'm really not sure, but... Overall, if it's going to rain, I can't justify doing that. But if I do go down to the track, you guys will get plenty of interviews, plenty of good content like I always bring you. I can promise you of that. And there's a lot more races coming up. We got the second Pocono race, New Hampshire, Watkins Glen. I just heard back from them. We're finalizing credential process for that. Indianapolis, I'm almost certainly going to be at that race because I'll be right there up at Purdue. So there's a lot of good stuff coming this year. This is where... It's almost the lull in the season for me with the podcast and radio show and everything else. But you know what? If this is the low point right here, I'd say it's pretty darn good because things are still going really well. So get excited for more bottled up content coming. If you want to race with me on iRacing, you know where to find me. And it's just it's so amazing, you guys, how you listen to the show. You know, Let me know what you like, what you don't like, and everything else. I genuinely really do appreciate it. Thank you all to you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Bottled Up Podcast.